For GateWorld.net, I'm Chad Colvin, and I have the pleasure today of speaking with Mr. Alexis Cruz. Alexis, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We know your work on Stargate, and uh, you were obviously an established actor prior to the movie. Could you tell us about some of the previous work prior to the original film? Oh, to, prior to the original film, I was, uh, let's see, I started off on The Cosby Show. That was my very first uh, big gig uh, as a guest star on The Cosby Show uh, with Tony Orlando. It was a special episode there. And then I moved on to, uh, to Sesame Street. And I did that for about two years. It was uh, one of the older kids teaching mm -hmm. the, the uh, younger kids. How old were you? It's about 15 at the time. I okay. did that for about two years. Um, and then I was really, really blessed with uh, having to having worked with Anthony Quinn in The Old Man in the Sea when I was uh, 15 also. And that was just an amazing experience. He's a legendary actor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to be able to learn so much from him before he passed, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was just a fantastic experience. I was really blessed. You have the uh, distinction of being one of only two actors, along with Eric Avari, mm -hmm. uh, who were featured in both the original film and then also in those same roles on SG-1. How did your uh, casting for the role of Scar come about? Uh, it was actually pretty funny because at the time, I had been accustomed to working fairly regularly yeah, as, as a young actor. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I hadn't worked in about a year, right, up at that point. And I was getting very desperate. I was just going nuts and I didn't know what to do, you know. Nowadays it's a little different, you know, we kind of we're used to the up and downs, but at the time we weren't. And uh, so I was desperate. I was taking uh, I could anything that I could get and my agent calls me up and he says, Well I've finally I've got this one part, uh, this audition for a sci fi movie. It's a low budget sci fi movie and uh, you would only have three lines and they're not in English. And uh, I, I really don't think it's worth it. And my, my agent who thought very highly of me, um, and really wanted the best for me. Um, he's, you know, it's it's really not not worth your 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 talent and blah blah blah. Um, I don't think you should do it. But I said, eh, I want to do it. I, I have to do it. I'm not doing anything else. You know, there are no small actors. You have to make a living. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so I decided to go in anyway. What the heck? I really had nothing to lose. So I think that uh, that always ends up freeing you up a little bit creatively. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, and the whole scene was really a mime scene. It was all the, a lot of physical work. Um, and so I just decided to take that route rather than concentrate on, oh, it's only three lines, let me say these three lines. I tried to work on all of the action and all of the moment and all of the life in between those lines. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so I did that and, uh, and it worked out great. And the director, Roland, and uh, the writer, Dean, loved it. Um, I had no idea who they were at the time. Right. You know, uh, this was all like, yeah, whatever, independent sci-fi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, they fly me out to California for my screen test afterwards. And I'm like, this is kind of odd for a little low-budget picture. Mm -hmm. And I finally get the part. And they say, well, come down to the studio, and I want to show you around the production office. And they show me around the production office, and I start seeing all of the, you know, the, I see the art department and all the different designs and the stuff that they're working on. And of course, now having seen the movie, you know, it was a spectacle. So I'm seeing all of this for the first time, and Dean Devlin's going, oh, and we have action figures for you. <laughs> and I'm going, are you kidding me? That's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> what? What kind of movie is this? And slowly it just starts unfolding that this is such a huge mm -hmm. picture. And as we kind of developed our relationship and as, as the work progressed, my role just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which was their intention to begin with. They just weren't telling anybody, and they just wanted to find the right kid for it. Right. Um, and it just it's taken off from there. Were there moments during the location shooting where you just looked at the size and the scope of what Dean and Roland were trying to accomplish and just went, 
Wow. Absolutely, all the time. We had we shot in Yuma, Arizona, in the desert out there, which was the same dunes that where they shot uh, some of the Tatooine scenes mm-hmm. in Star Wars. And uh, so that in and of itself was kind of like you know you're in the presence of history, right? And uh, but they had built the entire city where we lived uh, to scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was this huge, massive complex, and you could walk down its streets, and it was just magnificent. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, I think very few people have. And then we moved to the other location where they had the pyramid, and that was also massive and built to scale except for the very top. But the rest of it is just huge. So it was boggling. And, uh, and, and we just had that every single day, constantly, these, these kind of revelations of how magnificent this film was. Mm-hmm. Are there any parts of your own personality that you brought to the character? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've always enjoyed uh, playing hero roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most actors will, will always say that the bad guys are more fun. What have you. And, and I don't dispute that. Um, it is, in terms of letting your hair down. But there's something to be said about playing the hero roles and playing them well, because it's hard to do that without making it seem hokey you know, or cheesy. You have to do it in such a way that it's going to attract your audience, mm-hmm. um, that they're going to think you're cool, you know, the girls are going to want you and the guys are, you know, cheering for you at the same time. Right. It's a very hard uh, combination to, to, mm-hmm. to do. So for me, that's a huge challenge that I enjoy doing and it does bring out a, bunch, a lot of my own personality in doing it, especially at that time and at that age where I was very naive and impressionable mm-hmm. and, and I knew that and I used it. How did uh, you change your approach to the character once you discovered that the scar that would be featured on SG-1 would be, for most of your time on it, you know, a different character almost because of him being a host? Sure. Well, um, first, once we moved on to SG-1, it had already been some time since the film. Mm -hmm. Um, So not only did, uh, had I grown up quite a bit, but, you know, I realized that the character would have to as well, mm-hmm. and he'd have to mature, and, and that was my... I had a lot of questions about that to begin with, in terms of what the direction was for Scara, and I really had wanted to... Um, I wanted to go in a, in, a, in a darker direction. I think, you know, heroes uh, are great at the end of the tunnel after they've been challenged, mm-hmm. you know, and this was a very different kind of challenge. It was a very internalized one rather than the externalized one of rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always had in my mind that the journey that Scarra had gone through in terms of coming up from being a little shepherd boy to confronting and ultimately destroying his god. I mean, that is profound mm-hmm. in and of itself, right, thematically. Um, so I, I kind of was pushing with that. And then uh, when they gave me Chlorel, I had no idea what to expect. It, Usually I would go up there and I'd, I'd get the script either the day before I flew up to Vancouver to shoot the, the series or uh, as soon as I landed. So I had no idea this was coming. And I opened it up and I looked at it and I was horrified <laughs> because my character went in such a, a different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not where I wanted to go. Um, but of course, that made it more interesting. You know, I hadn't quite realized that at the time. But as you know, you discovered as you worked through it and you go, well, this isn't so bad. Okay, well, so so. We, once we got into, Scar- into uh, Chlorel, it, it became a, a challenge to also make him as different from Scara as possible mm-hmm. and still as enjoyable as well, because the tone of the series was very different than the tone of the film. As someone who spent screen time with both Kurt Russell and Richard Dean Anderson, let's put the question to rest now. Who is the better O'Neill? Oh, they're different. One was the original O'Neill, and the other one made it 
the other one took it, you know, and 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 made it his own. I mean, to to say that Kurt was the better O'Neill is, I don't know, because it, you know Richard has has put his stamp on it. You know, O'Neill now, what is it, 11, 12 years later, you know, is Richard is O'Neill. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. And they're both such different kinds of actors. You know, Kurt is so intense. And that's what Kurt does. You know, he's intense in comparison to Richard. You know, who brings so much, um, you know, sardonic humor to it that, that it's interesting to watch and it's fun to watch. So it's very—it's it's two completely different styles. And I like having the option. You know, mm-hmm. fans were saddened earlier this summer to hear about Don Davis's passing. Mm-hmm. Over the last decade, you got to spend a little bit of time with him, both on screen and off. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite memory of him? Um, yeah, Don and I talked a lot about acting in general because Don was an acting teacher. He, he taught acting, and uh, and I've done my fair share as well of, of that. Not as much as as him, and not to to his degree of expertise, which is what was so exciting about talking to him. And mostly, him and I, that was our our common ground. Mm-hmm. And we had like, like really long, not just like a little passing chit chat, but we would sit down at the bar and have you know intense actor-to-actor conversations about the craft and, and all of the, the different techniques and knowledges that go into it. And, uh, and it was a pretty unique um, relationship that I had with him, in particular on, on that point, on that ground. And, and I'm going to miss that. Yeah. Your uh, final episode of SG-1 uh, was season six's Full Circle. Right. And that's how Scar uh, and the uh, remaining Abedonians assigned at the end. Mm-hmm. Was that title especially relevant for you? I mean, was it a full circle moment for you in your career, knowing that, for the most part, the character had come to a conclusion? It, it was, it was. I mean, I think there's, um, you know, having lived with the character for so long and then seeing and being a part of the phenomenon of the fandom and how it reaches people, there's always a part of um, of you that wants it to continue. You know, there's there's always uh, unfinished business with the character when you've lived with it for so long. You know it so well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so there's a little bit of that. But there was the full circle closure in that, uh, you know, the, the fandom and the phenomenon was was there, and we can now move on from that. Mm-hmm. And and my career could move on a bit too in other ways as well. It has been 14 years since the original movie. Stargate is now a hugely successful science fiction franchise. Yes. How does it feel to know that you were there at the beginning and helped lay the foundation? It, it is phenomenal to, to have been a part of this. I, I think it's it's every actor's dream to be a part of something this big. And I think like, like a lot of those dreams, you really never expect it to actually happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something in the back of your mind, like, oh, I want to be an actor, I want to be a star. It's lightning in a bottle. It, it really is lightning in a bottle. That's exactly what it is. Um, I mean, you know, how 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 does this, the anybody who had anything to do with Star Wars mm-hmm. feel or Star Trek? I mean, it's 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 a phenomenon, and uh, you know, you often wonder, like, oh my God, why why me? How did this happen? But mm-hmm. thank God that it did, and it's really seen me through a lot of dark times too, because it's as you know, most actors in our career, we have ups and we have downs, mm-hmm. and uh, especially in the in the particular low points that I've had, Stargate and everything associated with it has been a good pickup. You know, mm-hmm. um, between how the audience responds and the fact of knowing that you were a part of this phenomenon. So, if everything were to end tomorrow, you know, and I couldn't go on with my career, mm-hmm. this is—it was a huge milestone that right. I will always, always be proud of.
At con appearances, you've been performing portions of a one-man play. It's an act that's full of both humor and shock value, but it's also a performance that becomes very poignant for its tribute to the unknown number of foreigners that lost their lives in the World Trade Center tragedy. Mm -hmm. How did your involvement come about? What got it started? Uh, well, it was uh, all the pieces were written by Rick Nahara, um, who was a, a brilliant comedic writer, uh, friend of mine. And uh, him and another friend of mine, Jacob Vargas, who you might know from tons of movies, um, The Friday and a bunch of other stuff. I'm mm -hmm. go on the list. Jacob Vargas is amazing. And uh, they're both really good friends of mine. And they came to me with the show because they had partnered up and were doing Latino logs that Rick had wrote at the Improv in Los Angeles. Um, and they said, Alexis, why don't you come up and do some of these pieces? And, ah, I don't do comedy. I've never done comedy before, much less at the improv of all places, you know what I mean? It's like a little back alley theater, there's one thing, I'll give it a shot, but the improv, it's like serious business. They're like, no, 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 it's all good, we'll, we'll show you how. Sure enough, they both took me under, under their wing and, um, and taught me the ins and out of comedy and how to you know, work the comedy in front of the, uh, uh, people. <laughs> and, um, and I stayed with them. The troupe kind of kept building off of there. Um, and uh, then we started touring the show. Rick had done the show before by himself as a one-man show, but now he was directing and producing it, and he wanted it to be an ensemble where each person plays different roles. Right. Um, so we toured it around, and it was a huge success, and that's how I got involved with them. My first comedic debut was at the Improv in Los Angeles, which I'm pretty proud of. That's an amazing piece to watch in person. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was um, that particular piece about the, the World Trade Center was happened right out. It was the, the week of, and uh, we had a show that weekend to do uh, coming up. And Rick came to us that Saturday because we performed on Sundays, and he came to us on that Saturday to you know unveil this piece, and we were all just blown away by it. You know, as as everyone else is when when they watch it, it's it's so poignant. It's really it's masterful and it's genius, and that's that's the writing that he does. Now, you're still currently on uh, Shark on CBS? Or? I'm not on Shark. Not anymore. Okay. Right. As an actor, though, when you were on there, uh, how different was that working environment uh, from what you experienced with the, the film and SG-1? Completely different. Um, it, was a, it was a different experience because the, the, the themes and the tone of Shark were completely different. It was real, uh, contemporary um, CBS mainstream rather than sci-fi and Showtime. So... There was a lot of that. We're also, you know, revolved around uh, James Woods, who was just in and of itself, you know, this almost cosmic personality. You know, he, he's he's so much bigger than life, and, and everything that you would expect him to be, uh, in, in in every positive sense. And he's just an amazing, one of the smartest individuals I've ever met in my life, mm -hmm. and very very generous as an actor. Um, so that was kind of interesting, and and again, another lucky break with being on. Boom, I go to another show that is hugely popular, that um, uh, is mainstream, where I get to take another role and put my stamp on it. And I think that seems to be happening uh, every couple of years. Something, you know, My dream is to become the Harrison Ford of television. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Any last question for you? Any additional roles on your plate? Uh, I do, actually. Uh, it looks like I'm going to be doing uh, a part in the new Sam Raimi film called Drag Me to Hell. So any idea? I can't tell you anything more about it because there's a whole lot of like shh mm -hmm. about it. Um, and honestly, I wish I knew more about it because I don't. They're just like, okay, we want you to do this the part. Really? What, what part? Well, you'll see. Just grow out your hair and you'll be it. This is why I'm all scraggly. Mm -hmm. The actors so are the last to for that.